What's up, KDHR fam? It's your boy Metal back again another week. And uh, we are continuing Iron Maiden and we are diving right into it. Let's let's go. I gotta lower this volume. Up the irons. Up the irons. So we're continuing Iron Maiden and uh, playing currently is uh, The Klansman as by requested by Dave. Because uh, we're talking about the Blaze Bailey era again. Um, a little more into detail than last time. This feels really quiet and I know it's going to get louder. But I'm going to up that a little bit. Just just because. Um, before we really get into this, I mean, I, I, I'll say it. Like, this song ain't bad. I like the song. I like the tune. I've never actually paid attention to his voice. So let's let, let's pay attention. Let's see what we think. <laughs> I'm a little scared now. <laughs> so I'm excited. I want to hear just how bad this could be. <laughs> yeah, it's still really quiet, but this is just the intro. Yeah, I, it's going to get louder for that's, sure. That's the thing. I think we were talking about that a little bit last time, but you... I, I point to that Anthrax record where John Bush sang a bunch of the Joey Belladonna songs. I think they should go back because can you really tell if either one of these records are very good with that singer? What if what if Dickinson sang those songs? Now, you'd have trouble convincing him maybe yeah. to do that depending on his ego, but they're Steve Harris written songs. They are. You know, and yeah. I think this is a great song live when I've seen it live. Yeah, no. I mean, when I saw cuz I had heard about this song I'm going to raise that a little bit more. I've heard about the song uh, since before. Oh, he's not in key. That's what I said. Oh, this is bad. Oh, shit. I always just treated it as spoken word here and just ignored that because never is spoken key and is spoken word in key. But it's not spoken word. What the fuck? I'm telling you, dude. How did Steve Harris let this guy in the band? This is <laughs> making me uncomfortable. Yeah. It was slightly out of time. This sounds like those whiny boys on like SoundCloud. Oh my god, it does. That like think they're hard. You guys listen to how bad that is. I don't. I, I, I think don't. my brain might have auto-tuned it. Because I've never realized it sounded like this. I know. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so to what I was saying, I had heard about this song before. People had told me it was really good. Um, and and uh, shamelessly helping Iron Maiden with this one, I guess. But uh, I've played the, the Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast video game. Or... Yeah. Mobile game, I should say. Yeah. Um, which is a great fucking game. I love the game. And the yeah. Klansman is one of the characters in right. in the game. And, like, he's got his theme and everything. But it has no vocals in it. It's just the music. And the, all the songs in it are just the music. They're not... Okay. They're not... None of them have vocals as far as I know. Unless that's changed. But... So, um, so, so ask yourself, what would it take to bring Iron Maiden down to the level of a Bruce Dickinson solo band that's rising up? This is what it takes. Yeah. This is how do you bring them down from their pedestal in in a two record cycle so far that they end up in the same popularity yeah. level as Bruce Dickinson as a solo artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, it's it's remar it was I it killed me when they brought him in. I I found these albums unlistenable. I mean, yeah. I might explain why this is the only one off the two albums that I have. 
Um, cause the yeah, only song. The only yeah. song. Off yeah. Of, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I still like the song. Like, cause I saw Iron Maiden live, uh, in 2019. Oh shit! I gotta get Iron Maiden tickets. Um, I saw them live in 2019 in September, and uh, Bruce sang the song. Bruce, yep. Bruce sang the Klansman, and oh my god, it's so good when he does it. I agree with you. And um, that's just been the idea of it in my head for so long. So then, like when I've had this song in the playlist. Like, I hear it, and I kind of ignore it, and I kind of don't. And then there's also just not a whole lot of vocals in it. Like, as I'm yeah. listening to it, yeah. we've been on this solo for a minute now. There's not a lot of vocals in it because the vocals are trash. Well, yeah, and I'm realizing that now, but, like, I didn't have the luxury of knowing that walking into it when I first heard this song is studio version. Mm-hmm. You know? But that being said, yeah, so. Oh. Oh. The solo itself. Is, holy shit, man. This solo is good. It's, the it's music really is really well. The, yeah, the music is yeah. fine. Okay, so uh, continuing on, uh, going back to the Blaze Bailey era, uh, since May of '76, uh, they had played over 14,000 shows for a combined audience estimated at t- more than 20 million fans worldwide. And this is around '94 that they're re- referencing, um, which is crazy. It's fucking insane. Five continents, and and uh, that was a record-breaking achievement for the band, which is super cool. Five continents? That's insane. Um, so then the band uh, listened to hundreds of tapes sent in by vocalists before convincing Blaze Bailey, formerly of the band Wolfsbane. He was in Wolfsbane? Yep. Uh, who had supported Maiden in 1990 to audition for them. Harris's preferred, preferred choice from the outset Shut up, I'm ignoring it. Bailey had a different vocal style from his predecessor and ultimately received a mixed reception among fans. He's flat. He said the land of the free. I'm like, the land of the flat? Like we're all musicians. How do you... How? We are trained musicians. Your your business is... I still think band. even if you're not a trained musician, you can hear when something doesn't sound like it's supposed to. If you're tone you deaf, I don't know. I mean, the rest of the guys have no excuse. Dude, Nico, Bailey, and Nico is tone deaf or, or Steve Harris is tone deaf. No, like, I'm talking about Bailey. I know. I just, specifically. Uh, they're like, they're, like, Bailey's the only one that would have an excuse, and not okay. that it's a good one. But Steve, Nico, Adrian, Dave, yeah. they all, they they had, all to had to have said had to something. Hear. Like, oh. unless unless they were in pure ego mode. God oh. damn it. I can't unhear it now. <laughs> I might have to take this off the playlist, dude. Do it. Oh, replace right. it with the with the live version with Bruce. Yep. There you go. That works. Oh, God. I never sat with it like that. Like, it's so cringeworthy. I think part of yeah. it, too, is that I've only ever heard it in my car, and my car speakers aren't exactly the best. So. I, th- I think you just you just replace the voice in your brain. You just it's put entirely possible. Voice in there, and you just ignore what's happening. <laughs> it's entirely possible that that's what happened. Everybody was really anxious, though, right? Like, yeah. if you're gonna get rid of Dickinson, what is the next? What is the next move for Iron Maiden? <laughs> what are they gonna do? Like, yeah. So the next so move was three years of hiatus from studio releases, um, and then they returned in '95 with the X Factor, uh, their lowest charting position. Since 1981, uh, it debuted at number eight. Um, 
and then it won album oh. of the year in France, Spain, and Germany. Um, it's those notes that he holds out are so bad. Yeah. They're nasally as fuck. They are. Um, then, uh, after more than 10 years of the, of the Iron Maidens, yeah. Constant domination in the readers' polls of Kerrang! magazine. Band's founder, Steve Harris, received the prestigious Kerrang! Creativity Award. Okay. That's alright, I can agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I can, I can too. Uh, record included the 11-minute epic, Sign of the Cross, the band's longest song since Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, as well as the singles Man on the Edge, based on the film Falling Down, and Lord of the Fry- Flies, sorry, based on the novel of the same name. Um... The release is notable for its dark tone, inspired by Steve Harris's divorce. Okay, I it, this song is like just about over. I'm gonna go back to where we were. <laughs> Run away as fast as you can from that voice. Now we get to Nico McBrain talking backwards. Eef, eef. What does he say? Do you have you you've listened to it the other way, right? I have listened to it the other way, and it's uh uh. Hmm. What hole did thing go down? Uh, don't go messing with things you don't understand. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and then he burps. <laughs> That's literally what happens. I it's great. It. And and this is this is the fine track arranged by by our own <laughs> Alan Perez for the guitar orchestra here at Cal State Dominguez Hills. Yeah. Ooh. Which there's a video on YouTube. <laughs> I need to find that. Oh, I could just send it to you. Please. <laughs> at C- that's the CSUDH Music Department channel on yep. uh, YouTube. Yep. So CSUDH Music Department posted our video of it. It's my edit, too. I did all the video edits for it. Absolutely. And I still have the cooler versions. I mean, the other versions on <laughs> my flash drive. The same flash drive I have here today, actually. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I put that together. I arranged it for four guitars and... Um, you know, it's just, it's a blast to play it. And like, now that we're playing it live, I'm like, play better. <laughs> Myself included. There's parts where I still keep fucking up. Um, and I fucking arranged the damn thing. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. We, we get to play an Iron Maiden tune in the guitar ensemble. Like, I'm excited to see that. That's so cool. Yeah. When are you guys doing that? May 12th. That, May 12th? May 12th. Okay. Yeah. May I will 12th. make sure that I'm doing nothing else that day. Good. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast to, to play that stuff, and then we're also playing with Doctor Noise that day. That's yeah, gonna that's be gonna super be, cool. We just had a big rehearsal with him last night. So. Yeah, that was intimidating in the best way. Oh, I'm sure. It was great. So was much fantastic. fun. And then he turns around and he goes, "There was a lot of wrong notes here," and <laughs> I'm just like, oh, "Shit, couldn't be me though." You're like, "It totally wasn't me. I was perfect Whoa. the whole time." Well, okay, the only reason I can say would, it couldn't be me is because he looked at Guitar 1 and Guitar 2 specifically. He didn't turn all the way over to us. Mm, nice. He could have still meant us, but I can get away with saying it. You're like, it wasn't directed at me. <laughs> you no, said, but yeah. You, yeah. It was yes. fun. He's a wonderful musician. It's such a joy Fantastic. to learn from him and play with him. Yeah. All right. So, let's move on. Um... So the band toured for the rest of 95 and 96, and they played for the first time in Israel, South Africa, uh, Malta, Bulgaria, Romania, and uh, and then they ended up in the Americas. Amazing that that's the first time, right? After yeah. After that career, like, I would have thought by 
Power Slave, they would have played everywhere in the world. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest show of the whole tour was a headline appearance for 60,000 people at the Monsters of Rock Festival in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Um, 60,000 is a pretty decent number. <laughs> a pretty decent. <laughs> Not bad. Compared right. to, what was it, 350 to 500,000? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Comparatively speaking, like it really shows what what Blaze did, <laughs> what Blaze did to the band. Oh yeah, brought them down to their on their knees, man. Yeah, man. I mean, you're destroying that whole legacy. It's yeah. Impressive. And then on top of that, to put another album out in 1998, Virtual Eleven. Yeah. Uh, whose chart scores were the band's lowest to date, failing to score one million worldwide sales for the first time in the band's history. Yep. That had to hurt. <laughs> that had to hurt. It peaked at number 16 in the UK, um, which was the band's lowest for a new studio record. Uh, at the same time, Steve Harris assisted in remastering the band's entire discography up to and including Live at Donington, which was given a mainstream release for the first time. Uh, Virtual Eleven features singles, the singles The Angel and the Gambler. Oh, is that where that's from? I've been trying to figure that out. Uh, Future Real as well as epic opus entitled, entitled sorry, Klansman, and the power ballad Como Estais Amigos. Oh, they use that kind of span. Okay, dedicated to all people who died in Falklands War. Okay, so a few things to break down here. The Angel and the Gambler, I never listened to that, but I know of it because of the game again. Right. Uh, they're, they're both, the Angel and the Gambler are both characters in the game. Ah. Uh. Um, Future Real, I know nothing of. Clansman, we've already talked about. Right. Uh, Como estais amigos? That's a weird one to me because it makes sense why they would use that type of Spanish. Is it Portuguese? No, it's not. It's Spanish. Okay. It's not Portuguese. Okay. Um, it's Spanish, but it, adding in the I to estás becomes estáis, and estáis is just like a. Uh, it comes from a different dialect of Spanish, I should say. I, is the best way to say that. Okay. Um, and it's not used as much, except for certain countries, which I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which ones they are. Um, but countries like where I'm from, Guatemala, Mexico, uh, Colombia, they all use estas. Right? They've all uh, come into this dialect of using that, taking out I from a lot of the words. Um, so it's interesting that they would use this because at this point in 1998, basically 2000, we've been used our own versions of those words for a long time. And those are the predominantly spoken one because there's more countries that speak with estas than estais, right? Okay, um, so the question is, this band is completely immersed in history, right? Yeah. So this is based on the Fal Falklands War. When did that happen? And what did Spanish look like in that time, and what countries are involved? You know what? That's a that's a good point. Because <laughs> um, the Falklands War was a ten-week undeclared war between Argentina and the United Kingdom in 1982. Okay, so Argentinian Spanish, maybe? Um, yes, actually, Argentina is one of the countries that does use this dice and go. other words like that. So that makes sense. I knew the war wasn't that old. I just didn't realize it was Argentina. Yeah. There um, you go. I thought it was one of the other ones. So they're trying to be historically correct because that's a boys There's like important. 16 different countries. I know. I just like how you're like one of the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again. Oh. Oh. I shouldn't tell you when this conflict started, but I'm going to anyway. 
Okay. <laughs> April 2nd. Cool. <laughs> I have that and Marvin Gaye that share my birthday. That's cool. I forgot There's about the Marvin Gaye. Cool. Like, it's that. <laughs> like, Marvin Gaye is the only cool person that I share my birthday Marvin with. Gaye Everything else is just like cool. old dead white guys. Marvin Gaye, <laughs> Marvin Gaye is pretty cool, though. Right? That's, yeah. Like, that if there's cool. going to be somebody to share a birthday with, that's, that's pretty cool. Who's yours, Alan? Do you know any famous people? Eminem. Mine's Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones? Oh, shit. Yours is that's... way cooler than Eminem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is still pretty know. cool, Eminem. Eminem it's is still pretty cool, cool, but like Quincy Jones. Yeah, it's Quincy Jones. It's Quincy fucking Jones. Like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I lost that one. <laughs> I yep. like Marvin Gaye, though. I'm impressed. Marvin Gaye is really cool. That's, That's like, so cool. Literally, it's like me, Marvin Gaye, old dead white guys. <laughs> From like the 1800s. I'm like, I have no idea who you are, sir. Like. Nice. Um, anyway, so continuing on. Um, so <laughs> I love this song so much. Where is the Western where is where I was reading? You're, no oh, you're almost a the Dickinson reunion, I would think. Yeah. Oh, it's this thing scrolled down on me a little bit. That's why I was confused. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Future Real stood for two weeks at the first position on U.S. metal radio charts. Yeah, I remember Future Real. <laughs> I didn't even know US, media, U.S. radio had metal charts. Oh, yeah, of course. They, they have a bunch of subgenres. So the Billboard chart is... The big one, and then they yeah. have like Heat Seekers, and they had one for like adult alternative and rap and metal. Before you know, before you get into the main chart, you usually would yeah. be in one of the subsidiary charts. You have to be really, really successful, and then you'll go to maybe to the main chart. But they want to recognize that metal heads listen to something specific and give some kind of recognition to. Gotcha. Okay, this is all like you know, this Maiden song is on all the metal stations. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. It does. Okay. So prior to the album's release, the band organized a publicity tour in which they held football matches in different European countries with some guest musicians and pro footballers from the UK and Europe. Following more, the more, quote, back to basic, back to the basics, sorry, uh, unquote, stage uh, sets they had been using following 1988's uh, seventh tour of the seventh tour, they returned to a conception of an elaborate stage set. The musicians and management stated that a uh, virtual 11 world tour would bring a quote massive show with huge production including stadium level amounts of pyro end quote can I, can I can I just add real quick go for it our singer is terrible so I'm going to distract you with a big stage our singer is terrible so don't listen to our record we're going to remaster all our old records don't pay attention to the terrible singer I'm just going to distract you that's all I'm saying I had a I had an old orchestra teacher that said um Good musicians don't need anything on stage with them to have a good performance, and bad musicians need to have a whole bunch of stuff to distract you. I don't, yeah. I mean, Iron Maiden's legendary for their stage setup. Yeah, so, but yeah. I mean, like, they sold that from the very beginning. Like when, when you're going spurring. like, we're going to have a whole bunch of pyrotechnics so yeah. you don't look Stadium at this guy. level. Yeah. Like, why are they trying to top all that stuff? Because we're just trying to distract you from these records uh-huh <laughs> it's like don't it's like the don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain right right yeah. right um ha, that took me a second got it um they also announced the participation the participation of dave lights who did their lighting and effects in the 80s 
management booked more mid-sized arenas and stadiums in Latin America, including a headline show at the Monsters of Rock Festival in Buenos Aires, Argentina, as the final show of the tour. And finally, the band used bigger backdrops, more elaborate lighting rigs, a conceptual stage set, and an inflatable Eddie's head and hands, which embraced both sides of the stage. Fans didn't see pyrotechnics and the kind of production comparable with 80s, with the 80s monumental stage sets as it was previously announced. The tour was a big disappointment, both to musicians, the musicians and the fans. So, thanks to that and a bunch of other shit, Bailey's tenure in Iron Maiden ended in January of 1999, when, it, when he was asked to leave during a band meeting. That's incredible. <laughs> the dismissal took place due to issues Bailey had experienced with his voice during the Virtual Eleven World Tour. Although Yannick Gers stated that this was partly the band's fault for forcing him to perform songs pitched outside of the natural range of his voice. And I remember saying that sentence last week. But now there's actually a proper build into that. This is what I was humming <laughs> like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> to tame a land is uh, what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before you got here, I was humming this, and I was like, why am I humming this? Why am I humming this? It's a great song. <laughs> now you know why. Now I know why. Yeah, that's uh, it was funny it. to make that statement about his voice, right? So when, when Anthrax had John Bush, sorry, that's the one that constantly comes to my head, because I think it was very effective. Yeah. Um, do you write songs in Joey Belladonna's range, or do you start to write songs for the singer you have in front of you? Like, I, I just... I kind of don't buy it. Like, if he's the singer of Iron Maiden and he's supposed to be able to do Dickinson-level singing, you're... I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> that, that was a funny statement for them to even make. Yeah. You know? um, full, full transparency, like, he brought the band on its knees and they lost a bunch of money. He was not an in-key singing professional. He was not good enough to lead Iron Maiden. Nah, he wasn't. And I don't know what he sounded like in Wolfsbane. I don't. Yeah. But, I mean, for the sake of giving him the benefit of a doubt, it's entirely possible that he was perfect for that band. Right. Vocally speaking. And they right. were like, oh, we like this sound. Like, let's put it on ours. That's possible. Right. Um, but I just don't know. I have no idea if that's true or not. But I, I mean, how would you audition someone for an Iron Maiden and not have them sing Number of the Beast or not have them sing Ace is High or... You know, you would have to hear, like, we got a player. Yeah, I mean, come on. God, I love that. I love, when I found out that I could sing that, <laughs> oh, man, happiest day. <laughs> when I found out that I could sing Number of the Beast and play it at the same time, fuck. <laughs> My egotistical mind was like, I'm better than them because I could do both parts. Right. Not even close to being true. Play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even... Oh, God. God. That's a... I can play the bass on, like, the Trooper. Nice. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. There's a video of me, and at the end of the video, I'm just complaining about my arm. Yeah. Imagine doing that. Hour and a half, two hours a night. I'm good. I did the one song. No, thanks. I'm good. You're like, I'm just going to play violin. Yep, that's what I'm good at. That's what I'm hey, it's to. also a four-stringed instrument. It's just like three octaves lower. 
Yeah. And also, like, you hold it different, and it's just, like, a lot heavier. I think the space between the frets is just crazy when you you sit down and you play a bass. Yeah, well. First three frets are just like, wow, they're so far apart. I have a friend, and he's... He's really good at bass, and he doesn't have it here with him on campus, and it makes me really sad because I want to like hear him play in person. But he's so good at it. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. It's Trevor, by the way. What? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, but it does. <laughs> yeah, like that's like one of his favorite things to do is like try and figure out bass lines for Slayer songs. Trevor. Trevor and I need to have a conversation. Trevor needs to be on the podcast. Trevor, Trevor, okay, Trevor needs to be on the co- podcast, <laughs> but. <laughs> I might have to ask Trevor to be my bassist, cause like Yo, Joseph is out. I, oh yes. Yeah, he he and I, I have talked, and like I told him he can come back and all, but like, hey, I have my bass again. Like he doesn't have it, so he doesn't have bass to practice with, and then he's teaching six days, seven days a week, whatever it is. Like, Glad the man is really busy, and I would yeah. love for him to be my bassist, cause he's a badass, but he doesn't have the time. Right. And like. There you go. What? As in Trevor text. <laughs> cause if, cause like then, cause when he comes back, he can bring his stuff. I keep trying to tell him, I'm like, you need to bring your stuff. Okay. And he was like, oh, it's so much to move. And I'm just like, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Um, But, yeah, as much as I would love to have Joseph in my band, like, he doesn't have the time. He can't do it. And, and he's it's more than welcome. always what life is about. Man. Yeah. It's always about yeah, he's dedicating. more than welcome to be a part of it. He knows that I love him to death. But if he can't do it, he can't do it. And I do need a bassist. So right. that kind of works out. Um, but enough about my band. <laughs> Brave New World, you there? Brave, Brave New World. Brave New World. <laughs> this is this is definitely one of my top Iron Maiden records in their catalog. <clears throat> gotcha. I love this record. So, <laughs> Return of Dickinson and Smith, Brave New World. Uh, while the group were considering a replacement for Bailey, Rod Small World, Small Wood. I did that last week too. I I went into a little more detail during this stuff. Yeah. This first paragraph. Um, they went into talks with Dickinson, and then he rejoined. So did Adrian Smith. He rejoined. Um, and then that's when they were the three guitarists lineup and the three amigos, uh, which is fucking great. Um, then they went on a reunion tour, the Ed Hunter tour, um, and it tied in with the band's newly released Greatest Hits collection. Yeah. Um, and then they had... Um. Wait. Oh yeah, there was a computer game uh, of the same name starring the band's mascot. I forgot about that. Ed Hunter. Yeah. Um. And then they had the. Okay, so the 1999 reunion tour was the biggest enterprise in terms of production since Fear of the Dark tour 1992. It was great. That's was that was when that was when I saw on this like, reunion tour. Fabulous. <laughs> nice. Really good. They were so excited. Uh, to get back together and be on stage. Yeah, of course. Dickinson was going crazy running all around the stage. <laughs> they visited Sorry. North America, several European countries, um, and others to present the conceptual show inspired by scenes from the game. And Iron Maiden used a two-part stage related to the graphics from the promoted game. Three movable screens surrounded by light ramps, projectors, huge backdrops, pyrotechnics for the first time since 1988, colorful props, visuals, and two types of eddy in the version known from the game. Yep. And the equipment traveled in seven huge trucks. Oh my god. Seven trucks. Yeah, their production is always... I mean, they were the band that tried to have the loudest sound when they first started. You know, they were trying to have the most decibels of sound and 
the most martial stacks and all that sort of thing, right? And then it's all translated into these crazy... I mean, have you seen the video of the very first Iron Maiden like concerts when they used to have Eddie behind him and he would spit blood on the drummer? Have you seen that? No, I it's need hilarious. to see that. You should, you should see it. And I mean, what they what it looks like now is just they have like a a full size airplane above them right now mm-hmm. on the stage. <laughs> That's yeah. insane. In, yeah, it is. yeah, they do have the airplane, dude. When I saw that thing come out, I was like, "That's crazy!" And then it started moving, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I don't, I've never understood Eddie. Like, I don't even know how they do that. I guess it's a guy on stilts, right? Is that what's going on? But it's incredible how it moves and stuff. Um, It used to be a guy on stilts. Yeah. I don't know if it still is, though. Is it just a robot? It might be a robot. Well, I don't know. I think, I think it depends on which Eddie they're using. Yeah. Uh, because I've seen a massive Eddie that someone in stilts is not going to be able to. There's no way. Right. Like, um, how are they doing that? And then I've seen it interact with Yannick Gers for, like, Ten minutes, and like, that's the stilts one. Yeah, right, because that one's yeah. a little bit smaller, comparatively right. speaking. So I think they're, I think they're using both, but I also haven't seen them in almost three years. So right, I don't know what's right. changed after the pandemic, too. Right. You know, it's it's always it's always been. it's always something. Yeah. <laughs> but those guys are fucking amazing. I love them. Yeah. Oh, Ace is high. <laughs> it's funny. There we go. Love this song. Oh, uh, I remember playing this song for a talent show one time, and like. It was great. It was fun. I didn't win. But it was just a lot of fun to like, because at that point I had started messing with my wireless system. So I literally ran on stage and started playing this song. And then like two seconds in, my hat flies off. And I was like, I don't even care. It was a lot of fun though. Um, but yeah, this, this, this love this song. Um, it's so hard to keep up with. Like, I'm surprised you had a bass player are, could do it. Huh? I'm surprised you had a bass player. Uh, it was just me that day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, keeping up with all the movement is fucking insane, though. Like, I haven't gotten it down yet to this day. It's it's fast and like it's yeah. all over the place. And then like this part in too hard. It's it's basic. But yeah, okay. One of Dickinson's primary concerns on rejoining the group was quote was whether we could would in fact be making a real state of the art record and not just a comeback album, end quote, which eventually took the form of 2000's Brave New World. Having disliked the results from Harris's personal studio, Barnyard Studios, uh, located on his property in Essex, which had been used for the last four Iron Maiden studio albums, the band recorded the new release at... I can't say that. Uh, Guillaume? G U I L L A U M E. Yeah, I think French. It's Guillaume. Guillaume? It is French. It is French. Yeah. That makes sense. Guillaume tells studios in Paris, France in November of 1999 with producer Kevin Shirley. Uh, it was promoted by two singles The Wicker Man and Out of the Silent Planet. Um, both of them went successful in the US, UK, sorry, charts. Uh, thematic influences continued with The Wicker Man, sorry, based on the 1973 British cult film of the same name, and Brave New World, title taken from the Aldous Huxley novel of the same name. Yep. Uh, the album furthered the more progressive and melodic sound present in some earlier recordings with elaborate song structures and keyboard orchestration. Nice, nice. No to the keyboards. No, I'm kidding. It worked for such all this stuff. Well, That's like, such a great record, though. I mean, 
what a what an announcement of coming back with him. It's just it's it's really yeah fabulous. I think. No, I mean the the, the album's great. I've heard some of those songs; they're fantastic. I'm just not a fan of piano and metal. Oh right. You know, but it's it's not to say it sounded bad because it didn't. It didn't. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. So I don't really have anything off of those albums because. Ah, oh, you should have Brave New World. But song. to to be fair, I also haven't sat with those songs in about five or six years, so it's different uh, now. Like assignments. <laughs> That's your you, homework. You never, you never told me about your. And did you listen to the Anthrax records we talked about? Uh, no. Oh. I, uh, I forgot. Not gonna lie. Um, so I, Brave New World, Brave New World would be a good one to. You're gonna have again. to remind me. Oh my uh, God! Just doing a reminder text. Yes, I am. Okay. I, I, I thought maybe it would be kind of fun to like choose a record that we all have to listen to, and then we could talk about it. I love that idea. <laughs> that is a brilliant idea. Just and, give and each other albums to listen to. Yeah. Right, right. Fuck yeah. That's great. Holy shit. New segment of the show just fucking born like that. Well, and, and yeah. you know, you got to say more than just I put it on in the background. And it was fine because <laughs> yeah. we're musicians and we appreciate music. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit then. Okay. Um, but let's move on with this a little more. Um, so Brave New World, uh, fucking charted number seven in the UK album charts, number 39 on the Billboard 200, uh, and top five in many other countries and eventually went gold and platinum in a dozen countries worldwide. Not bad. Not bad at all. It was considered the album that reestablished the band as a metal powerhouse. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. And we have stayed there since. Yep. Yep. Uh, the reunion tour had a hundred dates. Um, yeah, Just and so ended amazing. January of two thousand and one. You were around. I was alive. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we distracted. Uh, no, I was setting up your reminder text. No, I know. But like, I was alive in two thousand one. <laughs> Making us feel old, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what good. I'm here for. It's all, it's all good. Yep. I, I just that that record deserves love and respect. I oh, it I, does. I think, it I think does. It really reignited the second the second stage of their career. Yep. And like that that last show, it was in Rock and Rio Festival in Brazil, and they played to an audience of over two hundred and fifty thousand. So amazing! Like right? that's incredible. Yeah. Like they they in a few years they went from sixty thousand right back up to. The hundred thousand level, hundred thousand plus level. Thank you, Bruce Dickinson. Thank you, Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> um, I worry, you know, like what if they had stayed with Blaze longer? Would the band have died? It's a, it's a you very know? good question. I think that's what everybody saw the writing on the wall, right? Do you like how I <laughs> went there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you suck if for only, that one. If only everybody could see the actual interactions that are happening. <laughs> Oh, it would man. be incredible. Their, their, la- gonna... their latest single, by the way, <laughs> "Writing on the Wall." Yeah, that whole album's out already, and like, it's great for part of it. <laughs> I, 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 I was enjoying it. I, I had my own assignment this week and wanted to make sure I listened to it. So, <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, after that, they. Um, oh no! Sorry. While the performance was being produced for a CD and a highly successful DVD. Released in March of 2002 under the name Rock and Rio, the band took a year off from touring during which they played three consecutive shows 
at Brixton Academy in aid of former drummer Clive Burr, who had recently announced that he had been diagnosed with mul- multiple sclerosis. Yeah, I remember all that. Yeah. The band performed two further concerts for Burr's MS Trust Fund, <laughs> Jardy in 2005 and 2007, before his death in 2013. Pretty cool to support your old band member. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's... it's 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 funny you say that, um, because I have supported some of my old bandmates um, a lot, yeah. especially in recent years as Midday Moon has been dropping more stuff left and right and doing stuff like I'm do my best to spread the word of of Midday Moon. You know, I really enjoy their stuff and yeah, DJ and I were in a band together ten years ago. We were playing um, actually almost to the day was our our talent show which was our first performance ever together um as a full band and uh i remember we played um so far away by Avenged sevenfold and uh it was it was great it was fun and that's like how we started playing and then we started doing other tunes that were all in the rock world more than anything um like we and then some in the metal like we did for whom the bell tolls uh which was fun we did um Nightmare. Uh, I don't know if we ever ended up playing that live, but we did practice it for sure. Um, and then other songs that we did, we did Float On by Modest Mouse. It's a great song. Um, funny, we tried to do... We were going to get ready to do Time Is Running Out, actually. <laughs> yeah, we were we were getting ready to do that. Uh, so, things so the inside thing there is that I, we've done an arrangement of that for the guitar orchestra. Uh. Yeah, that was when I first got here. They're like, "Here's the song by Muse," and I was like, "Okay, I, it's not what I was expecting to play in a guitar ensemble of classical guitarists." Um, but yeah, we we did Muse. That was it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. One, um, one of my buddies, former students, had arranged it and yeah. knew that I would be open to doing it, and he gave me the arrangement. And I've done it with several guitar orchestras. That's it's it's great. We need to bring it back. Yeah, it's a great arrangement. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, I can actually play the harmonics a lot cleaner now <laughs> than I did two years ago. You should have seen that shit. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, I, I'm always supporting DJ however I can. Like, the, those guys have genuinely good music, too. And, like, I've seen some others. And then, uh, my other friend has been in bands, um, and I was in a band with him once. And the only reason I don't really promote him is because he doesn't have anything to promote right now. Right. Um, but, you know, the moment he does, I'm... I'm putting his stuff out there because you know he's he's good. He's actually back in LA now, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's always fun when you when you know people on a different level like that. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a couple of goth bands that I've they went to my high school. And I knew them and I kind of roadied for a couple of them, and so I've supported them their entire career, and, it, and it's super meaningful to like be there for them through the highs and lows of their career and all that. You know, it's funny. Our old co-host um, Anthony. He was actually a roadie for our band a lot. Oh, right. Um, and it was a mutual thing. We like, he was just, you guys need help? Yeah, we could use some help. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like we forced him or anything. Like he was very, he was just very helpful about it. It was, it's it was exciting funny. to be, it's exciting to be part of those things when you're not doing it yourself. You know, yeah. just to be like, I'm helping you out. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Definitely. Why, and why at your stage should you not just be the musician who's up there playing? You know, yeah. I would rather make you feel even more famous. Than yeah. Here. I've I've technically roadied for Midday Moon twice. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's not like grand scale or anything, but I helped them move some stuff around and yeah, I mean, got into shows. <laughs> I just want to see them play live. 
Like, it's so much fun. I'm just waiting for that to happen. Me too. Yeah, I will let you know. You know this. I know. But you got to come with us, Dave. You do. You need to come watch Midday Moon with us. Cause you, got, you got to hook me up well, with their recording. Maybe that's my assignment. We'll see. Where, I, where there's like, uh, okay. there, there were some videos over the last few days, just like that they posted on social media of them playing. So there's that that you can look at too. Yeah. And then I have a hidden video on my channel, mm. which is their entire show that, that they played when I was in Florida. Oh, okay. Um, so I could probably send you that. Okay. But yeah. Um, Helping out like that is is great, and so it's it's really awesome when a band of Iron Maiden's level does it for their former bandmates as well, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, during the 2000 to 2002 tour, they played 91 shows for over two million people in 33 countries. So insane. So insane. Those numbers are so incredible. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, the band visited big arenas, stadiums, and performed at the biggest festivals. The world tour dubbed Metal 2000 Tour was a great undertaking. The main aim of which was to restore the concert glory of the band from the 80s. Jack. <laughs> they did it. Jack. Oh, okay. Done. Uh, <laughs> I got confused for a second there. I, like, I knew what he was talking about, but I was also like mid-yawn. So like that was like, that was fun. Nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, they use huge lighting equipment with moving parts, 600 lamps, pyrotechnics, a walking and a large wicker eddy with dancers in the center, a burning cross lifting Bruce Dickinson up, backdrops and conceptual scenery related to the Brave New World album cover illustration. I'm sorry though, a burning cross lifting Bruce Dickinson up? I, that, that just makes me think of when I saw them and... We were in the orchestra pit. It was out in San Bernardino for a festival. Mm -hmm. It was so hot. There was so much fire constantly coming up during their set. I'm like, it's, it's enough that Dickinson is the age he is that he's running around on stage. But, like, there is fire everywhere all the time. Like, what is going on? Yeah. It yeah. was so hot. It's insane. Yeah. I, I, they had pyrotechnics at their show when I went, of course. Yeah. And I was not that close to the stage at that point, and I felt it. Yeah. And I was like, if I feel it this much, I can only imagine the people against the barrier. And then on top of that, I can only imagine Nico. the band on stage, Nico especially. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah. It adds a dimension people don't even think about. Yeah. No, I've like, I've played on stage for a while and gotten tired, and I'm sweating and all. But to add pyrotechnics to that? Yeah. For and an that hour? scale? Yeah. For, and yes, and at that scale. like, Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. Then for everybody listening, like I just did the mind-blowing thing. Gesture. That's the word I was looking for. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so in addition to the touring success, the musicians been have been nominated twice for the annual U.S. Music Award Grammy Awards and received the Ivor Novello Novello Awards for an international achievement. Iron Maiden was hailed as the most successful British metal group on British Channel 4 and the Number of the Beast album was included in the prestigious Eagles, Eagles Visions Classic Albums series. In 2001, the band won Online Music Awards Germany in category Best Artist Website. 
these, what? These, these are so clear. Like Eagle Vision, somebody from Eagle Vision put that in there. Like they're just trying to advertise for their label. Yeah. I don't know. That was Flash of the Blade. Such a great song. Yeah. I love this song. Yeah. That riff is so cool. Right yeah. There. Avenged Sevenfold did a cover of this song. Oh, did they? Yeah, and it's really good. But it fucked me up because I can sing the song with with Bruce and everything, but uh, during uh, during specific sections, I end up sounding like M Shadows instead, um, and it's not on purpose. And I can't, I haven't been able to fix it. Just as long as you don't sound like Blaze Bailey. That's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's very fair. It's very fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, in November of 2002, they released the third. Best of compilation, Edward the Great, and a limited edition of a very special collector's metal casket entitled Eddie's Archive. The special box includes three double CDs, BBC Archives, Beast Over Hammersmith, and Best of the B-Sides, with unique live recordings for the, from the Reading Festivals, 1980 and 82. This is Donington's, mo- sorry, Donington's Monsters of Rock Festival in 88. BBC Rock Friday, 1979, songs from B-sides of particular singles, and a live recording of London's Hammersmith Odeon, 1982, in its entirety. On a shelf above my window. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I was getting ready to ask, you have this, right? (laughs) Uh, Uh, As the special fan souvenirs, the box offered parchment with the band's family tree, a customized shot glass, and the ring. Yep. That's crazy. You have that too? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude. Come on. It'd be weird if he didn't. <laughs> okay, Dance of Death and a Matter of Life and Death. So 2003 to 2007. A little bit of a letdown. Not as good of a record. But st- it's still good. I- Brave New World is just a pinnacle for sure. I think part of that also is just, oh my God, Bruce is back. Oh my God, Bruce is back. Part eight and like, it's not like that hype is undeserved. It's very deserved. Yeah. But it's like, okay, Bruce is back. Now what's next? And, and it just, it can't live to that hype it's it's a different level of hype that i think people just fail to set aside because i don't think i don't think it was bad like it wasn't my favorite but like i don't think it was bad by any stretch of the imagination and i mean you know fucking reaching number two on the uk album charts pretty good pretty good what was the big single um uh, the uh, ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, not sure. I love this part. Yeah, no. Every so time cool. I play this, I always switch parts by accident. It's counterpoint, dude. Right there. No. <laughs> ah, no. Yes, no! it is. Yeah. No, you don't get to do that to me. <laughs> I can so just I can just cool. hear Madigan in my head. Absolutely, I can, I, like, right? All like I can that's hear. that's broke right there for for coming to life in Iron Maiden. That's Dick. why we love it. <laughs> I've spent a long time ignoring that fact, <laughs> and now you put it out there, and I can't ignore it anymore. That's right. That's right. That's why it's such a brilliant moment. It is. It is so good. Oh, uh, anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, um. We're, okay, uh, 13th album, number two in the UK charts, number 18 on the Billboard 200, uh, produced by Kevin Shirley, um, who is now the band's regular producer. Many critics felt that this release matched up to their earlier efforts, earlier efforts, such as Killer's Peace of Mind and The Number of the Beast. As usual, historical and literary references were present with uh, uh, Monstiger? 
Munsteger. In particular, being about the Cathar stronghold conquered in 1244. That that was a year, and that confused me for a second. Mm. Um, and then Passchendaele. Pa- Passchendaele. I don't know why you keep stumbling over words. I because I don't know how to say words sometimes. <laughs> oh, Passchendaele. Is that what you're I, reading? I think so. I don't know how to fucking say this. <laughs> Uh, relating to the significant battle which took place during the First World War. The theme, you know, they, they, yeah. they've been doing this for years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, always history, man. Always so the album features successful singles, Wildest Dreams and Rainmaker, Epic yeah. Title Track, and No More Lies. What the fuck? Next yeah. band's EP. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to It's because I'm pretty sure it was supposed to say bands. Yeah, the band's next EP. Yeah. Yeah, um, Wildest Dreams. That was, I think, what I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, okay. They had an acoustic ballad, Journeyman. Uh-huh. And first ever song composed by Nico McBrain entitled The New Frontier. That's the one of the biggest themes of the Iron Maiden game is The New Frontier. Oh, okay. Um, musicians. This is literally the sentence. Musicians have recorded an album in London's Sarm West Studios, which they used for the second time in 2006. Sounds like we need to go in and edit the Wikipedia page for them a bit. Maybe. <laughs> I tried to find the history on the website and I was struggling. Okay. They might not have it, or if they do, it might be a little more hidden than I think it is. We we, we have to sit down with uh, the library together and figure out where you can find a good history for musicians. Yeah. That's a. That's it's not. It's not easy to find though not necessarily i mean yeah. some of these guys don't really post their stuff out there like that so right so, and, yeah. and the other thing is you can look at the references that they're using on wikipedia and go to the actual sources yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's that's definitely a big one it may be a rolling stone interview or article i mean sometimes that stuff is amazing too right yeah you know rolling stone does have its moments <laughs> it, it used to it, in the time when they were huge in the 80s and 90s it was yeah. more legitimate and you could have a 10 page article about a band yeah now it's just list after list uh anyway so in 2005 they announced the next world tour uh which tie in which tying in with their 2004 dvd entitled the history of iron maiden part one the early days oh i need to get that dvd i need to buy that uh-huh. Um, only featured material from the first four albums, and uh, was you're fr- you asking where the history was. There's this DVD called "The History of Iron Maiden." Part one. <laughs> well, okay, so I've I've watched. I told you last week I've watched the video that they have on YouTube, but it's incomplete. Yeah, right. So I don't know why it's incomplete. I don't know if it's like they just didn't post up the rest, or if there is no rest yet, because part one implies a part two. I thought there was, but I can't remember. I don't know if there's a part two. I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it could be in the next part of the section. Like, I don't know. Right. What I'm saying is it's not on YouTube, as far as I know. Right. Um, or if there is, it's only so much. But it only goes up to... Oh, shit. I can't even remember. Does I watched it, it a few no- years ago. Oh, yeah. I watched it a few years ago, and there's two or three videos on there. And it goes pretty deep into the Bruce era. I don't think it makes it to the Bailey era. I don't think so, either. So I'm I pretty think- sure I've seen it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but then you'd have to take notes while you're watching the video to put this all together, right? Yeah. I mean, I, my memory retention for this kind of shit is pretty good. So if I watched it like an hour before the show, I'd be fine. Oh. Those videos are long. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
So, uh, the tour featured material from the first four albums, like I mentioned, and was the first of three retrospective tours in the, quote, History of Iron Maiden, quote, series, referring to the 80s. Uh, as part of the celebration of their early years, the number of the B single was re-released and went straight to number three in the UK chart. Uh, the tour included many headlining stadium and festival dates, including a performance at Uyevi Stadium in Sweden. I might have said that wrong. To an audience of almost 60,000. That's in Sweden. Uh, I don't know any. And then my friend's from Norway, so if I tried to say anything in Swedish, she would just smack me. So. Nice. Yeah. Does he listen to Avatar? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so then they had a couple European shows, co-lined with Ozzy and Black Sabbath. Or, or sorry, with Black Sabbath at OzFest. Sorry. Um, they had an average festival's concert attendance to be about 30,000 people, which is pretty cool. 10 Bernardino show before uh, 50,000 fans earned international press coverage. After it was sabotaged by singer Ozzy Osbourne's family, who took offense to Dickinson's remarks against reality TV. Yep. Sharon Osbourne was very mad. She... I remember hearing about that uh, much later in life. Um, I actually went out to that show. Somebody told me they were going to get me tickets, and then we couldn't get in. Bummer. That's I bullshit. took Chelsea. Oh, man. Yep. Us. We were bumped. Yeah, of course. That whole yeah, that whole shit was chaotic from what I've been told. Because I don't remember it. Yeah. But I heard it was so chaotic and like I yeah. think he started ripping on Sharon Osborne on the stage. I too. wouldn't be surprised. Uh they completed the tour by headlining the Reading and Leeds festivals on twenty sixth through twenty eighth of August. Uh, and the RDS Stadium in Ireland on 31st of August. Look at me reading this shit in fucking the other way of reading dates. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. English with, yeah. The, with the numbers before yeah. the month. Yeah. Um, for the second time, the band played a charity show for the Clyde Burr MS Trust Fund, which took place at the Hammersmith Apollo. Same year, the band were inducted into Hollywood's Rock Walk in suns- on Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles. I've seen it. So cool. I think Eddie's on that thing, too. Nice. Yeah. Have you seen... Have you gone to the Rock Walk? No, I don't even... I don't know where it is. Oh, wow. It's at the Guitar Center on... on oh, okay. I know where that is. Okay. On Sunset. On sunset. Like right. Sunset and Vista. Okay. Yeah. And I just call it have? the Rock Walk. Uh, they have handprints for oh, okay. all the bands. It's Aussies on there. Iron Maiden's on there, like we just mentioned. Uh, right. Def Leppard, Metallica. Um, who, who's... who's uh. So, what I'm hearing is podcast field trip. <laughs> <laughs> I am beyond down. <laughs> Let's do it. You're going to come with us? Sure. Let's make it happen. Because I love that place. It's cool. And I expected you not to know of it for a lot of different reasons. That's not to be mean. It's just... I, I know like of the Guitar things. Center. I just have, I, I didn't know that they had handprints up there. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, you live on the complete opposite side of the city, so yeah, right. I guess it makes some sense. But yeah, I, I love that place. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a regular Guitar Center, but just seeing all the shit. And then there's one band that has a drummer that lost a hand, and so he does some weird foot thing, right? And so that drummer is also on. Well, Def Leppard. I mean, that he's band. got no arm. It's not Def Leppard. Oh, it is Def Leppard. Yeah. 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 That's right. 
Uh, his footprint is just in the middle of the fucking thing. Nice. It's great. Nice. It's fantastic. I love it. But I, I forgot it was Death Leopard. I actually did forget it was Death Leopard. Um, I mean, at least I was right about it being there, though. <laughs> yep. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot. And there's still space for more bands to, to end up being on there. So, you know, render me insane I've on got, there got, one day in 20 years. What? <laughs> I, I've got I've got suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that happened. Um, and then... They were also inducted into the Krang Hall of Fame at the same time. Uh, at the end of 2005... How much do you know about Krang? The magazine? The album? Or... Magazine. It's a <laughs> ma- it was a magazine in the 80s and 90s. Oh, it was a magazine first. Oh, okay. yeah. That's where, that's, where, that's where it got its name. Okay. So when, you're, when I was growing up, there was Guitar World, which had a lot of the glam bands and yeah. things like that. And Krang had metal yeah and yeah, it yeah. was european and they would cover thrash they would cover you know like the guitar player from sabat is the new guy in judas priest right That's right, the right. destruction sabat creator if you wanted to know about those bands kerrang was the magazine man it was gotcha. a cool magazine so you'd go to a record store that had a magazine shelf and if you were lucky you'd see you'd see kerrang okay um because i knew is it Kill Switch Engage has an album that's called like Krang High Voltage or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I actually like let me look that up because I don't fully remember. Kill Switch Engage. Uh, uh that's Krang.com. Uh. One of the it's more surprising th- things about them to me was they loved Muse. I thought that was who, kind of Kerrang! Oh, huge Muse of that band. Yeah. Okay. Which seems kind of mellow for what I always thought them to be, but I agree with them. I love Muse. <laughs> or maybe it's a song. Muse has good symphonies. Yes, they do. I loved those when I was a kid. Did you? Yeah, I had all of them, like on like my little teeny <laughs> tiny iPod. Nice. I like just listened to them like on a loop when I first started playing. One of my favorite live bands I've ever seen. They're unbelievable. Maybe I'm wrong. There's a connection between Kerrang and Killswitch that isn't the magazine. Ah. And I, I can't find it right now. And it's going to take me a while to find it. So I'm just not going to bother right now. And there's awards, right? There's Kerrang Awards and they have a website. Yeah. And I think so, yeah. I mean, but that all developed. They were It was like an underground magazine. Maybe, maybe like what Decibel is today. Gotcha. Okay, um, so then, yeah, at the end of 2005, they worked on A Matter of Life and Death, their 14th album released in autumn of 2006. That's a good record. Uh, while not a concept album, though, war and religion are recurring themes in the lyrics, as well as the um, as well as well in the cover art. Um, the release was a critical and commercial success, earning the band's first top 10 in the Billboard 200 and debuting at number one in the album charts of 13 countries. That's super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. So talk, uh, talk about regeneration, hype, you know, growing to new levels. Yeah. And that's... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're so old school. None of this is this new stuff. It's all, it's all good. I'm just saying. <laughs> I kind of just like let it play in order, so... Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, like the newer stuff is later down. Okay. Like... Yeah, but like fucking, it's all it's all lower. Okay, um, okay, okay. Hey, wait a second. Where is? Hey, 
Where's where's my Senjutsu stuff? Uh oh. Honestly, uh oh. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Because he goes, it goes seventh son of a seventh son, fear of the dark, the clansman, and then it goes to Judas Priest. Yeah. I'm like, that's not right. Because I put those Senjutsu songs in here. Are they at the bottom of the list? Oh, see, like, the Fallen Angel is on my list. Oh, that's Brave New World. I love that guitar. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Senju yeah, okay. So it's it, this thing is in order by date added. Uh-oh. I didn't know. I didn't realize that. So, so the, the newer Senjutsu, uh, Senjutsu stuff is just, like, fucking way down on the bottom because I just added that last year. Um, anyway. Yeah, I love the older stuff anyway, so. Um, okay, so they did a tour, which happened in 2007. Um, and they celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Number of the Beast album release. Uh, and it included appearances at several major festivals uh, and stadiums worldwide. And the tour opened in the Middle East with the band's first ever performance in Dubai at the Dubai Desert Rock Festival for 25,000 people. After which they played to over 40,000 people at the Bangalore Palace uh, grounds. Marking the first concert by any major heavy metal band in the Indian subcontinent. Very cool. Very cool. Excuse me. Um, Bring metal to the people. Honestly, yeah. They did Download Festival uh, and then their fourth performance at Donington Park to approximately 80,000 people in attendance. Uh, they performed at Olympic Stadium in Rome. Uh, Basili Stadium in Ostrava, Locomotive Stadium in Sofia, Sudwest Sud Sudwest Stadium in Ludwig Ludwigshafen. Ludwig Schaufen? Maybe. No, Schaufen. There's no U okay. to make it Schau. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Uh, in Belgrade, yeah. uh, Farina in Belgrade, sorry. Uh, Bezigrad stadium in i'm not gonna pretend to know how to do that they played in lj a bunch of ubjna <laughs> just just say they played in a bunch of stadiums. um and yeah and they ended the tour with a performance at london's brixton academy um again for the clive burr ms trust fund nice. then we move on to somewhere back in time world tour and flight 666 uh on september 5th 2005 the band announced their Somewhere Back in Time World Tour, which tied in with the Live After Live After Death album. The DVD re DVD re-release. Thank you. No, not re-release. It was just the oh. DVD release. Oh, right, right. Uh, and then the set list consisted of the successes from the 80s with a specific emphasis on the Power Slave era, as yep. we're listening to Power Slave for set design. Uh, I remember talking about that last week. Yep. Um, they had... Two more legs in U.S. and Europe in the summer of 2008. And then the last part took place in February and March of 2009. And that was about where I ended last week's episode. Um, and so then moving on uh, from there, 2009, January 2009, uh, they had a full-length documentary film in select cinemas uh, on April 21st, 2009, entitled Iron Maiden Flight 666. Yep. And it was filmed during the first part of the Somewhere Back in Time tour between February and March of 2008. It was co-produced by Banger Productions and was distributed in cinemas by Arts, Al Arts Alliance sorry, Media and EMI with DNE Entertainment sub-distributing in the U.S. 
Um, so if you have seven Mack trucks and that's not enough, you might as well get a Boeing airplane. Motherfucking <laughs> Boeing 747, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. And your and your lead singer is flying it. Yeah. <laughs> that's beyond impressive. That's super impressive, yeah. All right. So the Final Frontier and Maiden England World Tour, 2010 to 2014 times. Uh, so following the announcements that the band had begun... Compo- uh, composition of new material and book studio time in early 2010 with Kevin Shirley producing. That's a long ass fucking pre sentence. The Final Frontier was announced on March 4th and featured three singles The Final Frontier, El Dorado, and Coming Home, as well as epic progressive opuses such as Isle of Avalon, The Talisman, and When the, Wi- when the Wild Wind Blows. All of that is heavily influenced, or are heavy influences for the game. Because all uh, of those names, yeah. besides the last one, have something to do with the game. Uh, mm-hmm. The Talisman is like a pretty standard part of their set list these days, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, the band's record, too. Yeah. So this album was released on August 16th of 2010, right? Yeah. Uh, debuted at number four on the Billboard 200, reaching Bad. the highest American album charts position there. to date. Yeah, almost there. Uh, although Steve Harris had been quoted in the past as claiming the bad would only produce 15 studio albums, oh. band members have since confirmed that there will be at least one further record. As we all know there is. As we all know there is. There's, uh... Uh, yeah, so then the band went on uh, to have insane commercial success, achieving gold and platinum status in 24 countries around the world. That's insane. Yeah. And they were awarded with the special sales recognition plaque for selling over 750,000 albums in Finland. That's crazy. Uh, They toured, of course, um, as the 2010 leg preceded the Final Frontiers release. The band made Eldorado available as a free download on June 8th, which would go on to win the award for Best Metal Performance at the 2011 Grammy Awards on February 13th, 2011. It was the band's first win following two previous Grammy nominations, Fear the Dark in 94 and Wicker Man in 01. Um, During both years of the um, tour, wait, during both years of the tour band headlined, the, the band headlined the biggest festivals in the world and then there's like 16 things in 17 countries or whatever the fuck. Right. So I'm not going to bother with all that. Right. Uh, but they were playing indoor arenas, stadiums, and festivals around the world, sometimes for 100,000 people. Well, the Grammys get it right every once in a while, right? Yeah, every once in a while. You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, they're, I'm they're happy they got a Grammy. <laughs> they should have got a Grammy for, you know, Number of the Beast. But we'll, we'll take it when we can get it. Right. Yeah, none of the beasts deserved it, hands down. Anybody that says otherwise doesn't. I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then, uh, a new compilation to accompany 2009 "Somewhere Back in Time" was announced, entitled "From Fear to Eternity." The original release date was May 23rd, but it later got delayed to June 6th. The double disc set covers the period of 1990 to 2010. The band's most recent eight studio albums, and as on Somewhere Back in Time, live versions with Dick Bruce Dickinson were included in place of original recordings, which featured other vocalists. 
in this case, plays Bailey. There you go. So that's where you find your clansman, right? <laughs> yeah. Good to know. <laughs> um, so then they had uh, a, a concert video to DVD in 2011 that was filmed in Santiago, Chile, and Buenos Aires, Argentina, during the Final Frontier World Tour. Uh, January of 2012, this is when I really started getting into Iron Maiden. Wow. Like, heavily. Like, I had already been listening to them at this point. Yeah. But at this point, it was the end of my high school. I had been playing guitar, and I, yeah. like, I learned music. So this was when I really started to explore, and like I remember listening to Maiden a lot more. Yeah. But during that time is when they released En Vivo, based on footage from the Chile concert, right. um, and that would be made available worldwide on CD, LP, DVD, and Blu-ray on March 26th, except for the U.S. and Canada, where it was released the day after on the 27th. So, I've always hated that, getting shit a day late. Well, the release dates, they used to do them universally all at the same time, but then they loosened that up, and they, they've changed it over the years. But it used to be everything came out on, I can't remember what day it was, Monday or Tuesday, and then they were like, well, no, let's all do it on Friday, and then some people were like, Thursday or Friday, or like, like Weezer just released something, and they just wanted to do it on the solstice, so it came out on a Sunday. So, That's weird. So they just, people do whatever they want now. Yeah. But, th- but that used to be a huge deal. It's like you don't want one country to have a release before another. Yeah, that's that's the big one. Is I don't I just that's why when we get shit a day late that I can't get my hands on otherwise, it's like the internet yeah. kind of blew that up because if it's released in England a day earlier, it's going to be everywhere all over the world. Well, yeah, out. yeah, no, that's that much is true and all. But even then, like there's some things like I said that I can't get my hands on. Right, is what I mean when all we right. get like watching movies, for example. Some movies come out like a week early in other parts of the world yeah right and i'm forced to wait because i can't watch it in a language that i don't understand yeah you know like i could i could get away with japanese because i understand a pretty decent chunk of it right i can definitely get away with spanish yeah. but you start giving me other you know like languages no i'm, I'm, I'm out <laughs> right what <laughs> you start talking about movies so i'm just like Oh, it was just a reference point. Nothing else. Don't worry about it. Uh, moving <laughs> back to... <laughs> moving back... Oh, God. Moving back to this, uh, February of 2012, they announced their third retrospective Made in England World Tour, which was based around the video game of the same name. Um, they had tours... Or they had a lot of uh, festival things like um, fucking Rock and Rio they did again for the umpteenth time, and they will never not because they're... They're a crowd favorite there. Um, they had a st- they had a stage built stage set built in an Arctic style, in many aspects reminding seven reminding reminiscent seven reminiscent of- not reminding yes seven son of it a says seven. reminding I'm like that's not the right word yes seven son of a seven or seventh tour of a seventh tour um yeah they had a wraparound stage. Uh, including special platforms and podiums. That's cool. Wraparound stages are interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they just kind of went on tour for a while after that. Um, and then they closed the, the tour in July of 2014, heading to Sony Sphere Festival, Nebworth. Yeah, that's how you say that. Yep. Um, oh, I was right. Okay. <laughs> they have uh, impressed the crowds by having the Great War displayed. Uh, display team, sorry. 
featuring Bruce Dickinson among its pilots, staged a sensational, sensational aerial dogfight in the skies above the festival with Ben's frontman flying his very own World War One German Fokker DR1. That's crazy. Just hours before taking to the stage. <laughs> Motherfucker was flying multiple G-forces on him yep. and then did a fucking show? He loves it, man. He loves it. I guess cool. that's one way to get pumped for a performance. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just realized we we're listening to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Great song. Great song. Stupid long. <laughs> Nah, I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, it's 13 fucking minutes. I can't do that. That's three of my songs. <laughs> um. Anyway. So yeah, great tour. Um. We move on to the Book of Souls, Legacy of the Beast, and Senjutsu. So 2015 to present. We are wrapping this up, homies. Oh my god. <laughs> we are wrapping this up like 20 minutes before glasses on the wire. <laughs> So, uh, following confirmation from the group's 2010, uh, that 2010's Final Frontier would not be their last album, Bruce Dickinson revealed plans for a 16th studio record in July 2013 with a potential release date in 2015. In February of 2015, drummer Nicole McBrain revealed that the album had a new, or sorry, had been completed, although the release date was put on hold as Dickinson was recovering from treatment from a can- for a cancerous tumor found on his tongue. Oh, it was on his tongue? I thought it was on his thro- like in his throat. No, it was in his mouth. Oh. This whole time I thought it was throat cancer. Mm. It was oh. I mean equally as bad. Like let's Super be real scary, about it. Yeah. But like I didn't realize that that it was on his tongue. That's crazy. Um so then yeah, they on May 15th after the band's website announced its title The Book of Souls and confirmed its release date for September of 2015 september 4th uh it's the band's first original album not issued by emi outside of north america following parlophone's positions in the charts in the album charts of 43 countries that sentence made no sense what is syntax i think i I don't know when emi collapses but there's a certain point where emi and capital are struggling and they get bought out by other people so that might be have something to do with it it's the record label that's what that's all about yeah the new release reached number one positions in the album charts for 43 country yeah no that makes sense that makes sense i think i just read it weird that was fine yeah anyway so the new record was recorded at how did you say the french one guillem yep uh guillem tell studios paris which they had previously used for brave new world um in late summer of 2014 the album's runtime is 92 minutes, yep. and it's the first double studio album. The, the only thing I want to know is is you being who you are. What do you think of the Mayan take on Eddie and that all that whole thing that they tried to do with this record, that theme? <laughs> no thoughts, no comment. So, my thing with it is that, like when I first saw it, yeah, and I saw that album cover. I kind of looked at it and I was just kind of like, the fuck is this? Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. And and, and to be completely fair, it kind of turned me off from it for a bit. Yeah. So I didn't really, I still haven't fully listened to the album front end. Okay. You know, uh, 
beginning to end like properly. Yeah. I've heard bits and pieces of the album. I've liked what I've heard. Right. But to sit with the album, I, I haven't done it. And I should. Um, but Ready that whole thing first. threw me off. <laughs> that whole thing threw me off, you know, and it just kind of... Well, I was curious, yeah. You know, it kind of fucked with me a bit. It wasn't like it was bad or anything. It was just it was just weird to me. Yeah. But, again, not in a bad way necessarily. It's just different enough that it threw me off for a bit, and I kind of stayed away from it for a bit. Um, but that's also when I was listening to all their older stuff, and I was falling in love with Number of the Beast and Power Slave and... and, and um, all of those albums, you know? I, I know we're totally running out of time, but I think the whole idea and concept of, like, how do you stay relevant and stay exciting for yourself and your audience with the catalog that they have? Like, how do you how do you keep going? How do you yeah. keep yourself excited? And they're just exploring different things of interest for them, right? Yeah, yeah. No, like, and, and again, it wasn't to say it's bad or anything, but it is different it is very different and it's very iron maiden-y yeah. to do something like that right um but i was young and underprepared for that and now i'm a lot older you know and i understand this kind of stuff a lot on a much deeper level and so i think sitting with it now would be a good thing for me right you know as opposed to what it would have been almost 10 years ago for me yeah but um yeah so 2016 they went on the book of souls world tour um and then in summer of 2016 they launched a mobile game, Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast. Yeah. I can't believe it's been around for six years almost. Apparently, there was also a pinball game with the same name in 2018. I now know something I want to own. <laughs> <laughs> um, the game has been number one mobile RPG in multiple markets with over 4 million players worldwide. Wow. I am one of them. Wow. <laughs> Y'all should be one of them too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, not so much. Mostly because... It's not even the metal aspect. It's the gaming aspect. Yeah. You, I think you would enjoy it and then give up on it pretty soon because you're <laughs> just not the gamer type, are you? My game is my guitar, man. It's yeah. Been that way for many years. I think you would have fun with it, and I think you would find some really cool Iron Maiden references in it. Yeah. Um, and they're actually doing collabs with other bands now, so some of the new characters yeah. are based off other bands. That's great. So it's pretty cool. I think you would enjoy it, but I don't think long term you would stick with it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fun. I, I haven't played it in a while, but I need to get back on it. It's fun. Um, so then they've been on this Legacy of the Beast tour for the past fucking six years. Because it's still the Legacy of the Beast tour now. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So six years of touring, they've done... I'm not going to go through it. It's too much to go through. Right. But they've done multiple uh, stadium sold-out stadium tours, uh, festivals... Uh, legs in different countries, continents, etc. They did a shit ton of things. And then last year, uh, or well, two years ago, it was can the tour with Kansas called the Pandemic, right? Right. Now they're back on the tour and they're continuing with right. Legacy of the Beast tour, um, which is incredible. The Pond, right? Or is it Bank of California? I can't remember. Where are they playing here? Are Bank of California, I think. Oh, it is. Okay. It's where they played last time. I think it's where they're playing this time, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so in May of 2020, the band announced that the, the tours have been canceled because of the pandemic, like I just mentioned. Uh, rescheduled for 2021. Um, nearly 1 million people bought tickets for all 35 shows originally booked for 2020. In April of 2021, it was announced that the 2021 tour was canceled again, and most of the U uh, European sorry, shows were rescheduled for 2022. In October of 2020, the band announced that they would release a live album from the Legacy of the Beast World Tour called Knights of the End, Legacy of the Beast, live in Mexico City. That's a long-ass fucking name. 
Um, and then that was released later that year. Um, and then on July 15th, 2021, Iron Maiden released a video for their first song in six years, The Writing on the Wall, which was a direct... Well, sorry, which was directed by Nikos Livesey? 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 How the fuck you say that? Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, four days later, the band announced that their 17th studio album, Senjutsu, would be released on September 3rd, 2021. And in the playlist, you can see my ad date is September 4th <laughs> for the songs that I ended up adding. Nice. Because I took the time to sit with the album and picked out the songs that I wanted to keep. Yeah. Um... Ooh, playing is caught somewhere in time, and I yes. love this song. Um, but anyway, yeah. So then they had the writing on the wall single, uh, and then they had Stratego as the next single. Um, huh? Um, fucking bestseller list in twenty four countries. I, uh, it's it's fucking crazy how good that album is doing uh, because I don't like some of the songs on that album. Yeah. Um, and I, it's. I, th- I think there's a lot of interesting touches of different parts of their career that are represented on it. I think it's a. I think it's an interesting record. Yeah. Um. When it comes down to it, though, I. I mean, it's part of the same thing. They're trying shit. They're doing what works. Senjutsu sounded super cool in my head, so it's gonna. It definitely grabbed people's attentions just by the name of it. Yeah. The writing on the wall was a great song um and i think i i think he made it to the playlist but um i think it's better on the record i really do like when i first heard it i was like "Eh, it's okay but when in the course of the record yeah yeah i think it's it sits really well i 100 percent agree with that yeah i 100 percent agree with that but yeah um but yeah that's iron maiden's history in not a nutshell because it took two fucking episodes Two full episodes. Two full episodes. Like, I just finished, and I didn't even, like, finish, finish. I just, we're, we're at the tail end, and I'm not going to go through the rest of this. Because it's the most recent thing. Everybody knows this shit. Right. And if you don't, then you can easily find it. So, yeah. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Once again, we're losing out on suggestions. Wow. So, next week, I'm going to take the time, and we're each getting three suggestions. Ooh. Yeah, because we missed last week. We're missing this week. I know. So. That means I need to come up with two more. Yeah. Super excited. So I'm we'll ready. have we'll have stuff next <laughs> I'm week. Not um but thank you so much for hanging out with us for effectively three hours. Yeah. This <laughs> to is talk a lot. about Iron Maiden. This is a lot, <laughs> I guys. fucking I called the last episode just Iron and this one's just gonna be called Maiden. Nice. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Um but yeah, we love you guys so much. Quickly, um, at official pedal to the metal all one word the link tree has all the links to all the other stuff so you can uh support us in different ways you can follow me personally at alan music perez um or my band's instagram render at render me insane uh or my photography instagram and nature's underscore beauty underscore ap <laughs> you can follow me at underscore lilac goddess on instagram dave you can follow me at isaac's guitar See how easy it is. <laughs> I have such little amount of time. Don't even. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much. We love you. And we'll catch you guys next week. Peace out.